this fall we're preaching sermons from the Gospel of Matthew. We began a few weeks ago and we're continuing today in Matthew chapter 4. If you'd like to, you can follow along on the screens in front of you. I'm going to read verses 12 through 25. And there's three short stories in the scripture reading that I'm going to read for us. So if you'd like to, you could actually open up the pew Bibles in front of you. It might help you see the block of texts of these three different stories while you're reading them. Listen to God's word. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. This is the gift of God's word. Let's pray together. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many, many months ago, during the Youth Mexico Mission Trip garage sale, I was volunteering at the garage sale, getting everything ready for the garage sale, and I saw Kim and Ian Hamilton coming in. They were going to volunteer some of their time as well, but not just volunteer their time, they brought some items with them to be sold to, be sold to the garage sale, and I saw one item in particular. Kim had brought a brand new Google Home speaker and here's one of the gifts of being able to volunteer for the garage sale is that you have first dibs on cool things that show up at the garage sale. So I had this Google Home speaker priced, and then I got it at a very discounted rate, yet it, the donation still went to the garage sale, so I felt really good about that. So for the past few months, I've been listening to music in my living room on my Google Home speaker. And for those of you who do not know what this is, it's an internet-connected speaker that's connected to power. So you speak to it. You just say, hey, Google, play this music. 
Oh, I was going to see if somebody's phone started to go off when I said that. <laughs> it didn't happen. And so it's really interesting. With this Google Home speaker, the way in which we listen to music has been radically transformed and changed. When we sit in our living rooms, no longer do we look at a wall of CDs. We don't even look through our phone and look at artists or albums or genres. We just have to call forth from within music that we want to listen to when we say, hey, Google, play this. It's fascinating. And recently, I've been wanting to sing music with my daughter, who's almost 16 weeks old now. For some reason, she loves the sound of my voice. The folks around me around here do not as much, but she, she loves my voice. And so I want to try to sing music with her. So I was sitting on the living room floor the other day, hanging out with her, and I said, hey, Google. And I, played, I asked it to play the music from my childhood that came forth from me when I was four years old or five years old. And I said, hey, Google, play Rafi. Play Rafi. Does anybody know Rafi or the music of Rafi? Yeah, you might know some of his famous songs like Down by the Bay or Baby Beluga or Wheels on the Bus Go Round and Round. And my favorite one, of course, is Banana Phone. Because you get to have your fun and then eat it, too. Well, this is a famous line from that. And as I've been listening to this music now and singing this with my daughter, I've just been reflecting on how simple this music is, how simple it is, and how yet it was a part of me as a little child, as a four-year-old or a five-year-old. And when I am trying to think of music to sing along, that's what came forth from within me. There's something so simple about it, yet it's profound in the way that it was able to become a part of me, to be internalized to even who I am now. So that when I think of children's music, that's the music that comes forth from me when I'm thinking of this. And as I've been thinking about this music, I've been trying to analyze it. And uh, from my limited time in a classical guitar class, there's a really simple method that Rafi employs that he does to does this music. It's called boom, chuck, chuck, boom, chuck, chuck. Now, for the guitarists in the room, like Bob, you're going to correct me, okay? I, I, I don't know if I know this perfectly quite well, but if, if you were to play a C major chord, which is just C, E, and G on the piano, you would play it like C and then E, G, E, G, C, E, G, E, G. So you do that on the guitar. Boom, chuck, chuck, boom, chuck, chuck, boom, chuck, chuck. And then you add simple lyrics on top of it that rhyme with each other and are fun. And that simple method allows for memorization, internalization. This music goes deep within you when you listen to it over and over and over again. I think something really similar is happening in the Gospel of Matthew, too. We're preaching this series of sermons on the Gospel of Matthew, and for some of us, maybe this is the first time we're ever going to read the Gospel of Matthew. For others, maybe this is the 50th time or the 100th time or we all come to reading the scriptures at a different level. Uh, some of us have been doing this our entire lives, and some of us are just at the very beginning of reading the scriptures. But I think Matthew has something like that boom, chuck, chuck, boom, chuck, chuck, that he wants us to pay attention to and notice throughout the whole of his gospels. I want to tell us a little story about how the gospels were constructed, because I do think we all come to understanding the gospels in a different way. We Maybe we're re-embarking on a conversation that we're having with God in the Holy Scriptures. Scholars think that Mark was the first of the four Gospels that was written, probably sometime in the 50s or the 60s. The reason why they think it was the first of the Gospels to be written was because they noticed that when you held it side by side with Matthew and Luke, 
that over 90% of Mark shows up in both Luke and in Matthew. So if 90% of Mark shows up in Luke and Matthew, then that means Mark must have been written first. And now here's where it gets kind of interesting, is the differences that happen in Matthew and in Luke. What accounts for the differences in the construction of those Gospels? They must have been written later, maybe in the 60s, 70s, or 80s. Is it that when Matthew writes his gospel, he remembers things differently than Mark, remembers things differently than Luke? Since it had been almost 30 or 40 years since Jesus had died, resurrected, and ascended. Or is it that he wants to emphasize something for his community that he remembers about Jesus? I think there's something he wants to emphasize for his community. He wants them to hear it over and over and over again so that it goes in deep and internalizes in them. And it's really simple. It's really simple. It's a phrase, three words, kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven. If you were to go on BibleGateway.com and type in that phrase, kingdom of heaven, you would see that it doesn't appear in Mark or Luke or John, but it shows up 20 or 30 times in the Gospel of Matthew. And in fact, in the text that I just read from Matthew chapter 4, it shows up twice and Jesus also talks about kingdom another time and says the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is what Jesus is proclaiming, the good news of the kingdom. This idea of kingdom of heaven is the simple thing that Matthew wants you to hear because it points to Matthew chapter 28. That in Jesus Christ, all authority in heaven and in earth is in Jesus Christ. Matthew thinks of the end. If you know the resurrected Jesus, you're always going to be thinking about that, even if you're writing chronologically the story of Jesus. This idea, kingdom of heaven, pointing to this idea of power and authority in Jesus Christ. If we look back at these three little stories I read to us in Matthew chapter 4, we'll see how these ideas of power and authority show up for Jesus in these little stories. In the very first story, you might remember the first line is that John the Baptist is arrested. He's arrested by King Herod. Now, perhaps we, when we think of power and authority in this world, it's, it's very simple for us to just think of this idea of being arrested because we're so commonplace to it by watching television or watching movies. It just is part of the world in which we live, in which people get arrested. But there's a contrast happening in this between Jesus' power and authority and King Herod's power and authority to arrest. What did John the Baptist do wrong to get arrested? What did he do wrong to get arrested? Not much. And that contrast is supposed to look like the darkness that's happening in the community that they're in. So that the fulfillment of prophecy for Isaiah is that a great light has dawned in Jesus Christ. He's showing a different kind of state power in Jesus. It's interesting in the second story about fishing, um, it's so awesome to see the example that Allison had for us and their fishing stories and Claire's fishing stories from when they were traveling around the world last year. Um, one of the unique things that's a different between 21st century fishing and 1st century fishing is that they were using nets, not poles and not lines and not lures. Uh, they had to use nets to do the fishing that they needed to do in the Sea of Galilee. And so to fish with nets, fish can see them. So you have to fish at nighttime. You literally have to fish at nighttime. So the fishermen would be on boats and they would throw their nets over the boats at night. 
so that they could catch the fish. And I always thought it's really interesting in Matthew chapter 4 where it says, a great light has dawned in the midst of darkness. We're always shocked by the easy obedience of the disciples that just follow Jesus. But if you're fishing at nighttime and you see this great light in Jesus Christ, one who shows power and authority even over against creation, I think it's going to be pretty easy to follow Jesus as well. Something unique is happening here. And those early disciples, they see it and they know it. And then in the third story, Jesus goes on to share the good news of the kingdom with people. And what does he do? He heals people. He heals people of their sickness, their illness, and even these spiritual forces that are at work in Galilee. And then great people come follow him as a result of these healing stories. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus is one with power and authority both in heaven and in earth. And this is something that Matthew really wants us to pay attention to and notice. This past week I was really noticing and trying to pay attention to what does this mean for us in our lives today that Jesus is one with power and authority. What does it mean for us? About a month ago, our mission partner, Siena Youth Center, became aware of a new business that was going to come into Redwood City. Some of you saw some of this on my email blast this week. But there was an old coffee shop on the corner of El Camino and Dumbarton in Redwood City called Cafino. If you were to drive south on El Camino, you know where Target is. Uh, Siena Youth Center is just south of where Target is. And this new coffee shop was going to be a drive through bikini barista coffee shop. And they would have coffees named after hypersexualized ideas about women. And women would be standing there in their lingerie making this coffee for people. Now, Siena Youth Center heard about this. And they were able to gather together and to rally together because... It, there's unique laws that, because it's on that side of El Camino, that's San Mateo County. It's not Redwood City. It's not San Carlos, but it's San Mateo County. And so legally, this owner could do this. He could have this business right there in North Fair Oaks. It would be fine. It would be legal for him to do this kind of a business. And yet the people in that community did not want that business to be there for that reason. Because of the hyper-sexualization and the exploitation of women in their communities there. And so they were able to gather together a petition to change this. And they ultimately did not change the business, but they did change and have conversation with the business owner to change some of the business, to make it seem more respectful, to change some of the branding. So they felt like they had a good success. And on Friday night, I got to go to a planned protest of this at Siena Youth Center. There was over 100 people gathered together in the gymnasium to talk about what was going on with their business. And they had different women get up and speak about what this meant for them in their community. And a fifth grade girl, 10 years old, got up on front of the microphone to share what this meant for her. And where this coffee shop is, is directly in between Siena Youth Center and Selby Lane Elementary School. She would have to walk from her home to the school every day and see this business at least twice a day. And as she talked about women standing in lingerie, and then she said, and what, would men just stand there and look at them? Like, ew. <laughs> and there was a sense of humor in it, but there was also this sense in which she then said, are men going to look at me that way? 
And it just kind of made sense in that moment. But here's this little girl trying to say to the people in the room and to the community and to this business owner, I don't want men to look at me in this kind of way. My body is not something to be commodified, but I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. She didn't say those words, but I knew them because I know that community and I know who they are and I know what they talk about and they talk about whole healthy happy bodies and people and I know they're inspired by Jesus Christ and his power and authority in their life that they are that they belong to a different kind of power and authority than just the other power and authorities of the world around them it was so powerful to hear this little girl speaking and sharing her story about why she wanted change to happen in her community I even think today we have our friends from Gaia here today from Global AIDS Interfaith Alliance and it's so hard for us sometimes to read these healing stories in the scriptures because we think if Jesus could heal all these people, can we be healed today as well? Is that what we're supposed to discern from this idea of kingdom of heaven, of, of these healing stories, of the power that Jesus Christ has? I think what the power of Jesus Christ enables us to do perhaps is to do that prayer but we may not ultimately be able to change the outcome of what's going to happen in our lives or those around us. Yet, it can empower us and encourage us to do the work that we need to do to fight AIDS, to fight these things that are tremendously challenging in the world around us. It can give us the strength and the courage to meet those things head on, knowing that Jesus has power and authority over and against these things happening in the world. I bet for each and every one of us in this room this day, Perhaps there's something going on in our life that we don't feel equipped or empowered to face today. Something's going on in our lives. Something going on in our lives in which we need to remember that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now maybe the outcome of whatever we're facing may not be able to be changed, but through the power and authority of Jesus Christ, can we face those challenges? Can we face what we need to face with the courage and feeling empowered by Jesus' power and authority, much like that little girl, much like our friends at Gaia, something's going on. Jesus is with us. The kingdom of heaven has come near. A great light has dawned. As we continue to read the Gospel of Matthew together, you're going to see this phrase, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, come up all the time. My prayer for us was that it would be like that simple boom-chuck-chuck, boom-chuck-chuck music of Rafi. That we would allow those phrases and those words to dig deep into us so that when we're faced with issues and we need to call forth something from within, something internal to us that's a part of our being, that we could call on the power and authority of Jesus Christ for courage, for wisdom, for strength, to face what we must and need to face. The kingdom of heaven has come near. A great light has dawned. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your son, Jesus Christ, for his life, for his ministry. God, there may be things that we're facing in this world that seem like cannot be changed, cannot be changed, Yet we know that your son had power and authority in heaven and earth 
And so as your disciples who follow after you, we pray for strength and for courage, for whatever we must face, for whatever's looking down at us. God, that you can give us your courage and your wisdom to do that work, that we will follow where you are leading us. Lord, bless us as we continue to worship you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.